friend and welcome to the Ayurveda and Psychology podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat or go out for a nice walk in nature maybe. Enjoy. In this episode that focuses on psychology, I wish to continue on our journey around eating habits. But I wish to give you a perspective that is ultimately quite different, probably, to what you have had yourself and maybe to what you have heard before. And that is the perspective from psychoanalysis. More specifically, maybe should I mention the Freudian psychoanalysis. Did you ever drink a glass of your favorite drink, your favorite juice or something else and experience pleasure? I bet you did. Just like you have eaten your favorite sweet treat, not for hunger but also just for joy. We don't drink or eat only for the sake of feeding. We do it very much for the pleasure of it. Now in the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders, the fifth version, we can find eight versions of eating disorders. Three main ones, which would be anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating disorder. And then there are declinations of other ones. My apologies for interrupting the episode for just one minute. I want to let you know that even though the enrollment is now closed for Nourish, Balance, Thrive for this round, it is always open for the coming ones. So you can be on the wait list by simply sending me an email or contacting me on Instagram. You find all the details in the show notes of this episode. You can always, at any time, also get in touch with me for questions and more so for working with me privately, one-on-one sessions, whether this is on a therapeutic level from the clinical psychology perspective or from the Ayurvedic perspective as well. Now back to the episode. The one that I mentioned two weeks ago I believe it was, two weeks ago, maybe more, which is orthorexia, has not yet made it into 
the manual because it's so new and it will probably be there in the next version. Anyway, if you Google these, you will find that the different symptoms of the disorders are food related, of course. And so today, I'm actually going to speak to you not about food at all, but about the origins of eating disorders. I have, of course, mentioned in previous episodes that it's not about the food. <laughs> Let's never forget, my patient who looked at me and said, it's not about the food. About her eating habits. It's not. But there is, of course, the aspect of control. I've spoken about that as well. Yet, when I speak about control, it is to control our own experience of our life. We can easily get caught up in the idea that it's about the control of how our body looks. And of course, on the surface, it is very much a question of that. But underneath there, that even aspect that this would manifest, we might observe other things. And let's not disregard, of course, the most important part of eating, and that is the fact that we are putting something into our mouths. As we are born, we really learn to experience the world with our mouth, through our mouth. We learn what sensations are through our mouth. In psychoanalysis, we look at the developmental stages of the human psyche, and we can definitely see the oral phase, as it's called, that begins. You experience the world through the mouth and you develop a relationship to sensations with your lips, your tongue, and with the taste. Babies experience their very first relationship through the mouth. Babies receive intimacy, nourishment, and care from the mother and the breast. It is the discovery of pleasure and it's the discovery of love, of being loved, of being given love, given food and safety from the mother, all through the mouth. Let's be clear that when I'm saying mother, this is the mother function. It can take different kinds of configurations, but because to a large percentage we are speaking of a birth mother giving her baby the breast. That is why we keep using that expression. 
So the mouth is our very first encounter with sensations, with sensuality, satisfaction, desire. This mother, mother function, is directly related to it. And therefore the child associates receiving love with being nurtured. Suction is a part of the learning process and therefore is a part of the learning process of pleasure for the child. So suction, pleasure directly associated with the mouth. But the child also learns through this pleasure of putting something into the mouth that the object that is put into the mouth also disappears. And so, question emerges, was it enough? Did this satisfy to its full extent? Or is there now a lack? Is there a desire for more? In psychoanalysis, we would even go as far as saying that eating disorders are not an illness. No, eating disorders are symptoms. It is the manifestation of how the person positions themselves. Everyone experiences illnesses, but how it expresses itself will always be singular. When, from a psychoanalytic point of view, we speak of singularity, what we mean, in other words, is the clinical aspect of a person, which means its uniqueness. And the most difficult part of the analytical treatment is the singularity of the subject, as it's called, of the patient. And I believe that it's crucial to consider that in this world, of wanting to label everyone, of wanting to shortcut everything and to simplify. The uniqueness of a person is so highly important for taking pleasure in your existence because what it implies is truly, well, let's say the message behind any kind of self-development or spiritual practice, the embracing of all parts of oneself as being whole. And I would even go as far as saying, speaking of a symptom and not of illnesses in this way, is also part of embracing each part of oneself. Because as soon as we begin to label, saying, I have this disease, then it is not embracing a part of ourselves, it is to point out a flaw. As long as we don't accept every dark corner of our own being, we are not letting life actually flow freely through us. Something's broken, something is wrong. We're constricted and we're resisting. What is? Let me just come with a disclaimer here. That uniqueness that I'm speaking of, when I say singularity, 
of a being is not to be confused with the tendency we see in this world where everyone wants to be so special. On the contrary, this constant striving to be so special, the narcissism behind that is nothing more than trying to hide the fact that deep down we don't have faith in our own uniqueness. So I would say that it's almost, yeah, the opposite thing. Keep in mind this idea of being constricted and resisting as we go further. Because deep down in the resistance of what is, is really the resistance of life itself. We all have a drive for the living inherent in us, but we also have a drive for death inside of us. Death drive serves a purpose. The unconscious desire to no longer be, a desire for life to return to its original state, to start over, the blank sheet, if you will. Coming back to the experience of pleasure discovered by the child, naturally, naturally, as this comes into our lives, so does the opposite. At one point, the pleasure is there, and when it is no longer, we become acutely aware of its absence. And so desire is born. When the cookie is put into the mouth, there is an explosion of sensation of pleasure. Yet the cookie has to disappear because it dissolves into particles and slides down the throat and into the stomach. Was it enough? Are we satisfied? Can we ever be satisfied. So here we are as a small child learning to position ourselves in our world from the sensational experience of the mouth. We are sentient beings. It defines our aliveness. As we experience pleasure, we also learn what desire and satisfaction is and of course the absence of pleasure. And that not only creates the desire for more, but the very painful sometimes and acute experience of lack. What is lack? Lack is a void, a void that we will spend a lifetime trying to understand and trying to fill. What is so painful with the void? Is it maybe that in that space of nothingness lies our own inexistence? Because when we begin to speak to people who are actually 
properly ill, let's say, with eating disorders. Or maybe more those who are in recovery, actually. The concept of not existing is definitely part of their pain. Because one thing that is very dominant in their pain is the fact of not being seen. So, of course, I'm coming back to what I said earlier on, there is the controlling aspect of one's experience in this. And beyond the manifested act to control how the body feels, looks, reacts, is the deeper act of control, the desire of satisfaction. Why am I speaking of the control of desire of satisfaction just after having spoken about a pain about not being seen? Well, see if you can bear with my logic here. Putting something into my mouth, I experience satisfaction and therefore the act itself comes from a desire to feel satisfaction. But I would have to acknowledge that, right? In order for that to be clear to me, I have to acknowledge it. And acknowledging that means that I do acknowledge as well and accept the fact that I desire. If I don't want to accept that I desire, it would be simply because there's a risk that that desire would not be satisfied, that there will be pain, that there will be that void. There would be no reason to not accept that I desire if it is obvious that satisfaction will come from it. There is no greater pain than the non-presence of the fulfilled desire. Because that pain means the void, means the lack, right? And if lack is there, we're facing that void and that is so excruciating that we will find all our ways in life, right, to not experience the void. After all, what is a distraction if not a way to fill the void? I am so grateful that you have chosen to give me some time of your day to listen to this episode. Now, this is all done on my free time. There's no money involved in this podcast. So if you would like to support me somehow, I would love for that to happen. And you could do that by simply rating and reviewing. So what that means is that if you're listening on Apple Podcast, you can simply give me five stars review and you can give me a commentary. Obviously, if you feel that it deserves it. Once again, thank you so much and enjoy the listening. Basically, if I learn from the mother's breast to experience the void of satisfaction, the unfulfilled desire, 
maybe I will first of all find a way to control my own desire in the future and secondly search for a way to not experience the pain of the void are my needs being met and if they are not being met why is that am I so unlovable so insignificant that I don't deserve to feel satisfaction is satisfaction something that the other gives me or can I become so self-sufficient that all desire cancels out that I become that blank sheet I destroy it all to start over again like the Phoenix rise from the ashes become undestroyable invincible no one can ever create that void inside of me again if there is nothing to fill. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods of this microphone and I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about so please leave a comment send me a message directly if you wish this is Charlotte this is me see you next time namaste